0: Hi, I'm John Roberts. I'm Jess Fishlock. This is Owen Siddharth Jones. I'm Owen Warren Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to all of the three podcasts. Hello and welcome to the latest Coleman Had A Dream podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, We have been discussing our favourite football things of late and this podcast is no different. The last one we did was talking about how we built our favourite defender using a combination of right leg, left leg, uh, brain, engine and the ability to head a ball and we're continuing our series with midfielders we're doing central midfielders and then kind of wingers wide players today in two different podcasts for you um i am joined as ever by ruth hello ruth how are you
1: hello doing well what about you
0: yes i'm good thank you it's lovely and sunny here which makes a change i've got a sunburnt nose which is always a sign that the weather is turning here so you know ready fraction.
1: That's what you get for sunbathing in your um, parking spot out back (laughs) of your apartment building. (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: We, We were in an aid to stay in the sunshine over the weekend we were in fact just drinking in our parking spot uh, and just this woman this grumpy old woman who lives in our building walked past and just went oh no masks I see and just walked off just like, of course we haven't got masks with the people who are drinking in our parking space it was so stupid we haven't got masks anyway I feel this is a, a slightly off-topic start even by our standards um, I don't know about you but I found it kind of difficult to just focus on Centre midfielders and kind of what sort of centre mid- midfielder to choose? Am I talking about attacking, box to box, uh, a holding player? It was. It's kind of a weird, kind of a weird topic. When I actually started thinking about it,
1: I agree. I think um, the categories we've adopted kind of work against very, very good generalists, don't they? People who are good with both feet, or um, as you say, are we talking about like what does left-footed mean when it comes to a central midfielder? For example, yeah. but but equally, it gives us a good opportunity just to talk about a few exceptional players, and I think you have to you have to take the whole process with a bit of a grain of salt and yeah. and uh, just just view it as a as a way to reminisce about some extraordinary football players.
0: No, I agree. I think if anyone's going to email in and say, you know, oh, such and such, only barely used his left foot, and I don't think he would work with this player. Like, I, you've, you've missed the point. This podcast, not for you. Um, we appreciate your commentary and your listening, but this is not the place for you, I don't think. Um, anyway... Um, we will start Ruth with brain because again, this is even quite difficult that we're looking for an attacking brain, a defensive, but I don't know. Well, I mean, I do know what I've chosen, but I'm intrigued to know what you've put. So what have, what are your thoughts on midfielders brains?
1: I had trouble. Well, I had trouble with all of the different categories, but this is one of the ones that my, um, my kind of short list was probably a long list. And even as we've chatted, I've realized there's a whole load of people that didn't even make my long, long list that, yeah. that should be on there. Um, but I went from everyone from kind of Paul Scholes, who I think was your archetypal kind of, somehow your archetypal sort of British central midfielder, if that makes sense. Um, didn't have the flair that some of the other players were going to look at, had, but was just incredibly good at what he did. And then I went to everyone from kind of um, Michael Lauder to Frank Reichard, Pierlow. Pirlo. Um, Iniesta. I, I think the closest I got to someone being second place on this list was probably Socrates, who just had a commanding presence. And also, he's he is equally incredibly brainy. He's you know he's he's kidding. a medical he's a medical doctor after oh, all. You know, I didn't and know he that. and he did his degrees while he was playing international level football for Brazil. Can you imagine that?
0: Decent, so I would say decent. Just
1: on bra- just on brain power alone, he probably does top the list. Um, but in the end, I went for Xavi because I feel he just steered two absolutely amazing teams, both Barcelona and Spain. And I've realised, looking at my list, that I seem to have a bit of a theme around exploiting space and He was just unparalleled, I think, in finding those minuscule little openings and threading his passes into the feet of players that could then exploit the space. His ability to um, use the ball with such little effort to such outstanding results, I think, is amazing.
0: No, I think that's fair. And he was definitely someone I thought about Oh, um he he really that, that his ability to move him past the ball and he was like it was like a metronome was the word i found myself coming back to because mm-hmm. he did just keep everything ticking and um and whilst he's obviously an exceptional player there is a very specific reason i didn't go for him and it's interesting because mm-hmm. you've talked about exploiting space and the reason i've gone for this person is because i thought they exploited space in a better or maybe not better but certainly different way um-hmm um, with the brain, I found it difficult on a personal level not to include Zinedine Zidane for almost everything. Because I think of my generation, I think he's probably the best all-round midfielder, maybe even all-round footballer I've ever seen. I've never seen him live, but like he was just unbelievable. So I have found it hard to not include him for everything. Um <laughs> i really wanted to include skulls but i thought he was more of a technician than anything i really mm-hmm. want to include gerard for a similar sort of reason that you just said about xavi and that i always felt gerard seemed to like his timing and ability to kind of turn up at the right place at the right time i, I, I don't think many other people had that um plo was someone else was who else was on my list as well and i he's i would say he's what i got as closest to a second place I felt his longevity and the way he could move the ball and the the, the things he could do. And again, he just looked cool. Um, <laughs> again, me I think I've said this before, me saying cool instantly makes it less cool. But um, he had something about him and his effortlessness and his technique I just thought was excellent. And he seemed to kind of always pick the right pass. But the person I've gone for in the end, because I've seen him play with my own two eyes and I don't think I've ever seen someone again exploit space but in a slightly different way than you just talked about than Iniesta um Mm -hmm. I've seen him play for Barca and I've seen him play for Spain um in the flesh and it was just an unbelievable experience um his ability to turn up in a pocket of space which 10 milliseconds before wasn't there um he has an ability I think not just to put the ball into space with someone else, but predict where a space is going to turn up and then get himself into that space to utilise the ball in the most kind of... Attacking way, and I think that's the difference for me between him and Xavi is that Xavi was great at keeping the ball and moving the ball, but Iniesta I always felt wanted to move on and and push forward and exploit space in an attacking sense, and I think that's why I really I, I really went for him. I remember going to watch him play against, as I say against against Greece. I think I've said before, but his he ran the game that day, and he the goal he was kind of created was just like nothing else I've ever seen. He kind of cleared a corner on the edge of the the grease box, on their own box, sorry, broke up field. He touched the ball about three times and he was back in the box to supply an assist. He, he was just unbelievable. And I don't think I've... And in terms of players I've seen with my own two eyes he gave the best kind of individual performance I think with I've ever seen uh, with my own eyes by a player that day. So I felt like because of his brain and the way he moved about and his ability to kind of try and force attacking openings, I don't think I've ever seen anyone like him. So that's why I went for Iniesta.
1: I think it's interesting that we've gone for two players that played together, but I may, I managed to be so outstanding yet so complementary yeah. as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a often, lot of the reason for that. Barca often team. you
1: can have, sorry, often you can have superstars that kind of dominate a team, don't you? And I think one of the strengths of Barca in that era was how well they just integrated the skill sets that they did have.
0: No, I agree, and I think if you look at a lot, a lot of great teams like that do always have that kind of complementary thing, and mm-hmm. and and. And you can, att- you can add Messi to that as well in yeah. in the way he kind of moves. I mean, that Barca team of, well, I'm just trying to think what year it was now, like 2009-10, or maybe I'm a bit too early, but around there, or maybe 2012, they were just un- unreal. They were like, it was like football from a different world. You just couldn't live with yeah. them. And uh, obviously Man United were maraudering around the place, murdering everyone in the UK. And then they go and play Barcelona and get beat in the Champions League final, like so convincingly, like mm-hmm. just kind of reminds you just how good they were. Anyway, I'm rambling already. Um, <laughs> I uh, you, I want to hear who your left foot is because I kind of really racked my brain for this. And I, in the end, I just went for someone that I liked, who was, who was a, a central midfielder in an attacking okay. sense as all of mine are, but left footed. So I'm intrigued to know what you've got.
1: Okay. So, um for me, this was actually one of the easiest categories to pick. Um because I I went immediately for Maradona in this position. Okay. I, I, there wasn't there, there wasn't actually much competition in in my thinking for this particular one. But that's seeing him as a a kind of attacking central midfielder, obviously. He's too he's too maverick to be a classic number 10. So I actually chose someone else in a different category who I feel is epitomizes the 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 beauty of the number ten position. Mar- Maradona was uh, kind of too headstrong, too hot tempered, I think, to actually be your classic number ten. Although that's how he's often pictured, um, he was such a superstar in the mid eighties. I think it's difficult now to appreciate just the level of pressure and attention and um, just just kind of psychological nudge and pressure that he was always under throughout that period. Um, and I think he he's obviously a flawed, like internally a flawed character, but as a football player, he was immense. And the way he could control a stadium. Batistuta, actually, there's a nice quote I picked up from him. He said, Diego could command the stadium, have everyone watch him. And and that sounds very simple, but there's actually very few players that draw you in so singularly the way he did. Um, it was another category where I had a long kind of others list. Um, I looked at everyone from... Um, Bobby Charlton, which I think I think he genuinely was an incredible player. Through um, Riverino, Falcao, who was beautiful to watch in his day, Ronaldinho, um, Hadji, I think is in, in consideration in this group as well. But someone I suspect you haven't thought of that I really loved as a left-footed player um, was Liam Brady. Oh, again, right. I don't I don't think he would make many people's top lists, but just his close control and the quality of his passing and the level of kind of playmaking that he had, um, he, he was just beautiful to watch. And, you know, when you think that Juventus in, I don't know, it must have been about 1980, could have had their choice of left-footed players in midfield and they went after him you know they went after Brady and I think that that tells you something about his his quality
0: no I agree and I mean that's a great list I I, I've I was thinking more about Maradona in the sense of a forward and I I, again perhaps we may have to do another category just on number 10s (laughs) because the more this is going on the more I'm regretting not putting Maradona in but I think the reason I didn't go for Maradona was a he was a bit before my time and I saw the tail end of him in USA 94 and obviously the less said about that the better but I, I and I really enjoyed I don't know if you've seen the documentary the Maradona documentary um which is which is really insightful and really interesting especially what you're saying about him uh, and his kind of celebrity status like mm-hmm. and how kind of how inbuilt to to Naples he was, I guess. But I've left left him out because I think I'm going to go for him elsewhere. The person I've gone for is someone who I think, interestingly, I I don't think you would have thought of or (laughs) many other people, but is someone who kind of epitomizes what I remember watching European football as when I was, you know, in my formative years, I guess, as a football fan, because, you know, you can sit and watch... Stuff when you're when you're a kid, and eight or nine, and you're just impressed by the colours and the the speed, and you know names you haven't heard of. Whereas I think when you can actually understand, when I got a bit older and understand what you what you need to be able to do on a football pitch to make things work, I think the person who really came to me and Ronaldinho, I, I almost snuck him in here, but again, I think I'm going to have to go from elsewhere. But the person who stuck out to me was Guti, who was played for Real Madrid from uh, 1996 I think it was but it was in their kind of reserves team before that to, to play for Real Madrid probably the biggest club in the world for um, you know your youth career and then most almost all of your senior career I had one year in Besiktas at the end but to do that for that whole time is obviously a sign of a very very good player and His vision and the things he could do and the places he could get people into with his left foot was just... I I, I honestly don't think I've ever seen anything like it. And there's this brilliant clip um, which has been doing the rounds, uh, which is just, I think, probably the best assist I've ever seen. He's put through on goal. He goes round the keeper. But in that split second, he realizes he's on his wrong foot by going round the keeper. The, The angle is narrowing. And his awareness is so good that he back heels the ball with his left foot rather than shoot because he's aware that Ronaldo is coming onto it. And Ronaldo, I think it is, taps the ball into the, into the empty net. And it's just like that thought process. Like, I know if that was me on my left foot, and obviously I am nowhere near Guti's standard, <laughs> but I would have just fallen over and probably missed the ball entirely. And I've seen professional footballers not do dissimilar things. But to have the th- presence of mind to be able to think that Whilst you're going round a goalkeeper, and then think about back backheeling it, and then pull it off beautifully. I I just don't think I've ever seen a player like that. And again, Man United played Real Madrid in a in a in a Champions League game, uh, and Ronaldo, orig, um, original Ronaldo, just scored this unbelievable goal. Um, and Real were playing in this in this amazing black kit, and I remember watching that game. I forget the year now, but. I remember watching that game and just like being mesmerized by Gooty. He was so, so, so good. And he was everywhere and his passing range and his shooting and like, he was just unbelievable. And I, and I really don't think I've ever seen a player like him. So in that kind of, I don't, I don't know whether I'd call him a number eight type player, but he was just phenomenal. And his, his ability with his left foot was unparalleled to me pretty much. So in the end, it had to be Guti for me.
1: I think his longevity is a factor in this, isn't it? His ability to be dominant in an, a, an excellent um, Real team, is kind of, that's kind of speaks for itself as well, doesn't it?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think you don't get to play for Real Madrid at any level, um, apart from if you're Michael Owen, unless you're really, really good. <laughs> um, and you don't get to stay there for a couple of years unless you're any good. And to, to stay there for pretty much your whole career, I think you've got to be something special. So I think that says a lot about him as much as any uh, any ramblings I could say. Um, Right foot, what have right you got? Foot.
1: Okay, so I had trouble with this one. Well, I had trouble with all of them, let's be, let's be honest. Um, I considered... Platini for this one. I, I think you can argue that he's, you know, strong in both feet, and his he really he sort of would you take just his right leg, as it were? Um, but I think his his intelligence and composure on the field um, was something incredibly striking at the time. He had a kind of grace about him that was um, that was powerful. Um, I considered Enzo Francescoli as well I think he well when Zidane you know thinks so much of you that he names a son after you you gotta be you know you gotta be something on the football field haven't you um but in the end I wanted to include a classic number 10 somewhere on the list and for me just you you just say that classic number 10 there's only one player that springs to mind and that's Zico so he he's made my list as the um, as the right-footed player although it's fair to say he he was too, he was two-footed um he had and obviously exceptional dribbling skills i think that's the thing that stands out here and i wanted to make sure i included someone with dribbling skills in although it crops up perhaps a bit more in the wingers list um he you know pele, pele himself said that he's one he's one of the few players that Reminded Pele of himself, which you know, again, is that's good enough for me. Um,
0: <laughs> and someone like you know, there. if someone
1: like Rudhulit describes you as one of the best dribblers ever, uh, again, you know, it's all that's all ticks in the boxes as far as I'm yeah. as I'm concerned. I I also feel you know earlier we were talking about the fact that I think there's a bit of a, a pattern for me in terms of looking at players that exploited space, but there's also a pattern I think for players who were not particularly physically imposing that have a sort of grace and and lightness about their play and and i think zika epitomizes that as well
0: i think that's a great shout i uh, i hadn't thought about him actually and he was someone again who i've obviously only ever seen kind of reruns of i guess but he was um Again, I think it's his vision and his balance, I think, are the two things that really stand out to me about him. Um, And the way you can control a match. Um, And I think that there's only certain people who can do that from a number 10 Hmm. role. And he was one of those. And, and, And I've gone for, on my side, someone else who can do the same. I really thought long and hard because... And I, I I can't remember we've had to re record things so I can't remember what I've said. I really wanted to include Steven Gerrard, and I know I'm going to get grief for people from that, but he is an unbelievable footballer. And I do think if he had have gone abroad and played in Spain or somewhere like that, he would have gone down as one of the best midfielders of of our of our generation. I, I just think he was I think he was that good, and the fact that he could take a Liverpool team all right there was him and Suarez with a kind of star ingredients but the fact he could take that team so far to win in a, a title and I know they didn't in the end which is because of his slip ironically but I really wanted to mention him because I just think again in terms of players I've seen in my generation and I've been lucky enough to watch him play a couple of times I, I don't think I've, I've seen anyone like him a proper box-to-box midfielder that year he won the Champions League I, I think you could really make an argument to say he was the best player in the world for six months because he was just phenomenal Kaka got a mention just like, uh, just in the same sort of way as Guti. He was just, he was just pure filth as a footballer. Some of his passes, that pass to Crespo in the Champions League final against Gerard, ironically, was just so perfect. Like, uh, uh, an unbelievable, unbelievable player. Um, In the end, though, I just couldn't not go for Zidane, who I think is the best player, of, of, of best midfielder of certainly in my lifetime. Um, I think the way he can control a match is unparalleled. I think his ability to know what is coming next, I honestly don't think I've ever seen anyone as good as him. And he can do things with a football that a normal human, even a normal professional footballer can only dream of. Um he had, and I appreciate it, it could overspill sometimes, but he had the um, like controlled aggression most of the time. He was physical. He looked like he was a nightmare to play against. He was all, almost even nerveless. I mean, I, I can't imagine what must be going through your brain to do a, a Dink Penenka penalty in the <laughs> first 10 minutes of the World Cup final, which is your last match. I mean, that's, that's insane to me. I would like... I mean, again, not that I'm going to get a play at World Cup final, I don't think I'll ever go and watch one, but the fact that he could do that, and like, I would just be terrified at that particular moment in time, and he's thinking, I'm going to dink this, against Buffon, who's, at the time, again, one of the best goalkeepers in the world, like, it's just unbelievable, Um and there's two things that i wanted to say about him and and pointed to people in the direction of there was a a film made about him and i forget who it was against now i've sat down and started doing this where the cameras were just trained on zidane for the whole 90 minutes of a match and it is like it is a work of art like he's just he's majestic he floats around the place he was he was unreal and there's also clips against um on the run to that world cup final of him against brazil um and he was, I, I just again flicking balls over people's heads, mugging off Ronaldo. Uh, you know, it it was just unreal how good he was that game. And um, I, I think personally, that's the best ninety minute performance I think I've I've probably ever seen. Um, but I, I just couldn't not include Sidan and I, I just think he's, I think he's the best player of of my generation.
1: He's an interesting one, isn't he? Because I think, in my thinking, he's, he suffers from our categories because I think he's almost too good in like, almost the best in virtually every category. I and know, so yeah. his, the, like, the sum of his parts makes him an, inc- an incredible player. Yeah. Um, he is also interesting from a psychological point of view, isn't he? Someone who could be apparently so contained and cool for 99.9% of the time. <laughs> and then lose it when he lost it my god he lost it so i i find that just in an interesting sort of characterization of him that i think a lot a lot of players you think of as hot headed and you'd never think of him as hot headed and yet when he went he went yeah. very obviously um so I, I think he's just he's an interesting character as well and the and you know you see that reflected in in some of the things that's happening and in, in has happened in, uh, at Madrid in terms of there are times in press conferences that he says something that you just think you shouldn't just be you just shouldn't yeah. be saying that out loud. Shut, shut you know, up. I don't care what you're thinking, <laughs> but just just yeah. don't say that out loud. Um, and I think it's a, it's a, obviously a less um, a less sort of fraught scenario, but an, another example of that where you could you know he can sit on his emotions so well just until you get to that trigger point.
0: I think that's why I kind of like him even more in a way, is I, I like the idea that in his last ever match, which is a World Cup, he's like at some point he's just gone, oh, fuck it, I'm going to headbutt him in the chest. <laughs> like there's something about that kind of the maverick, if that's the right word, nature of him that I I think personally kind of draws me into him a little bit more because he was, I mean, he was clearly, when, when you went past that point with him, it really was the point of no return. <laughs> like, there's, there's no coming back from headbutting someone in the chest. And it, I think he did it three times, not the chest, but he headbutted someone in a game l- at least three times. I know he did it a couple of times for UV. Um, he was just bonkers. And again, I, I just really like that about him. The less said about his managerial career and uh, <laughs> and, and the influence on, on Gareth Bale, the better. But. Um, Whilst we are talking about uh, heading things, perfect segue there. Um, okay, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> hey, it's better than most of them. Um, who is your best header of a football for midfield?
1: I actually, have, This is probably the section I had the most trouble with because it doesn't seem like a very um, emphasised skill set for midfielders, really. Um, I considered Michael Ballack because I thought Think his obviously his technical skill and his, his frame for that for that matter make him clearly a very imposing player and a and aggressive and a, and a good header of the ball, um, but I actually went for Cizino who is I'm go, I'm going way back now even before my time. <laughs> so <clears throat> I I wanted to include him because of his character, really. And then I was struggling to work out where I was going to put him. And um, he he kind of fits this this area uh, because he was a brilliant header of the ball. But actually, it's his wider skill set that that meant I wanted to include him. Um, so here's a quote for you. Um, this is from Gazeta della Sport. Um, and they're talking about his play in the 1950 World Cup. So they said, um, describing Zezinho as Leonardo da Vinci, creating works of art with his feet on the immense canvas of the Maracanar pitch. So he That's
0: a great quote, that, isn't
1: it? It's a great quote. He took all of the pressure of hosting the 1950 World Cup at home. It ended up all on his shoulders. The Maracanã had been built for the tournament, they got, and it's a weird setup, but the actual, there wasn't a final in the sense that, you know, the first and second teams played each other in a final. It was done as a sort of round robin at the end yeah. of, the, of the tournament. Um, and Brazil went into that game, what notion you'd think of as, as, as the final, but the last round robin game against Uruguay and were clearly the favourites you've got 200,000 people in the Maracanã on you. And in the end, they actually lost to a very late go, goal to the Uruguayans. And Zazinho took it kind of on himself. Not that he was ever blamed for it, the 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 goalie and, and some of the defence were, were blamed for it, but he kind of internalised it perhaps more than right. everyone else. Um, but the, the reason I wanted to include him was he was subsequently sold from um from flamenco to bangu and didn't want to move and felt like he was kind of steered by the authorities into doing it and kind of fell out with the authorities and then end up didn't end up playing in the 54 or the 58 world cup and the the brazilian FA, what the title is, approached him on both occasions, trying to get him to play in those two World Cups. and he refused and said, "You know, you haven't involved, you haven't asked me for qualification. you've had these players turn up for qualification and, and get the team there. They deserve to go to the world to the World Cup. Yeah. Um, so he refused to get involved even when um, the, the authorities asked him to. Um, but he was Pele's idol which I think for me is what, you know,
0: like you just what means
1: he, ha- he had to make this list. You know, if you are, I mean, Pele describes him as a brilliant header of the ball and there weren't many who could dribble like him either. He was a born creator. And on top of all that, he wasn't scared to play dirty. He could be tough when he needed to. Um, I idolized him. Those are Pele's words. So for me, someone who's got, that much about him, can be as creative as the as the quote from Gazetta della Sport, yet could play dirty as well. And also had the kind of um, mental strengths to get through what he got through. I wanted to include him.
0: I think like you said before, if it's good enough for Pele it's good enough for me, I suppose. Um, you can't really can't really compare with that. Um I would love to add some sort of response to you, Ruth, but uh, <laughs> I don't know in anything about him. So you, have, you, I, I'm I was having a history lesson there, which I enjoyed. Um, you were talking about there that uh, another tedious link coming up that your that this was Pele's hero. Mm. I've kind of gone for my hero in this particular category for two reasons. One, because I just want to talk about him, and that's what we're doing this for ultimately. Um, and secondly, because I think being a good header of the ball is something that has, like you were just mentioned at the start there, something that's kind of dropped from the importance list, if you like, almost of midfielders in a, in, in a roundabout way. I think people like Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira, and I'm mm. obviously thinking of British examples, but those sort of players who... Did dominate a game in a physical way as well as in a in a in an ability way. And that was a kind of a big part of it. And that has changed now these days. Like midfielders aren't these kind of towering blokes who go kicking lumps out of people and giving it to the fast lads up front. Like you do have to be a different player these days. And there was someone who kind of I idolized, but also combined, I felt, those kind of qualities in that they they had a great left foot. They could get around they would score goals, they were great in the air, which is the big part of this, and also played played for Wales. And for me, I just couldn't, when we're talking about midfielders, not include Gary Speed. Um, and I know he's you know far from the best midfielder of, of a generation or whatever, but in my mind, he really was the best. When he played for Newcastle in that spell when we got to a couple of cup finals and Bobby Robson came in and he was unbelievable. He was everywhere. He was physical. He had a great left foot. He could really head the ball. He had a great leap on him. Like people talk about Ronaldo and, you know, Les Ferdinand, players like that who have a hell of a jump on them. He had a monster leap on him and he would win games for Newcastle on his own. And, he would win games or at least maybe not win games for Wales on his own, given that, you know, a lot of the the team of, of, of those eras that we were talking about there weren't great, but he, he really did impose himself on every game. And I was thinking about going through, you know, some kind of key performances for him. But the big one that kind of always stuck out to me in a bizarre way was the game against Italy where we beat them 2-1. And we've mentioned that briefly, but, he played left back in that game. And I was thinking to myself, imagine, because he was, a, he was, uh, and, you know, he was an amazing footballer. He was a captain of the team at that time. He had been a mainstay of Welsh football for, I, I mean, 10 years at least at that point. Can you imagine saying to Ryan Giggs, look, Ryan, you know, we've got a couple of lads who can play in midfield. We, we, we still want you to play can you play at left wing, please? Um, it would have been told, us to, they would have told to sod off. Um, and and I just can't think of many captains and players and, and, and people who would be willing to sacrifice themselves in that role for their team, especially in the kind of modern day that football exists in. Mm-hmm. But not only did Gary do that, he then played out of position at left back and he was bloody brilliant there as well. And I think Gary Speed is another one. I think if he'd have gone to play football in Italy, especially, I think... And I know he is well thought of, but I think outside of Welsh circles, I think if he'd went to play football in Italy, I think he would have a a totally different reputation. I thought he was was an amazing footballer. And, you know, to to bring it back to where we want it to be, he was a fantastic header of football. And the amount of goals he scored for Newcastle by just turning up late. There was one, someone like dinked a ball back to almost the edge of the penalty area. And he's just run onto it at full stretch. Uh, a full tilt, sorry. I don't even think he's actually like, like headed it. You just run into the ball. He's kind of got that much power and it just flew into the. Key- and you could see the keeper after as it flies into the corner, like looks round as everyone else, which is like, did that just happen? Is it? It was unreal. <laughs> Has he just scored without really doing much from the edge of the block with his head? Um. Yeah. And I, like I say, we you know we've talked about people that we want to include and we should include. I, I think Gary's one of those people who I definitely wanted to include, but I also think. He may not be as Zidane, but he's also not out of out of touch with a lot of people we have talked about today.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm glad you've been included in. him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, oh no, we haven't. We've got energy now. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, engine. Sorry, not energy. Um, I really struggled with this in a bizarre way because I kept thinking of Angolo Kante just because I I feel like he's like the the Duracell Bunny, but uh, <laughs> I didn't go for him in the end. I thought I was a bit of a cop out. But uh, yeah, who have you gone for?
1: Okay, so I, I considered a few um, Marco Tardelli because of his combativeness, um, Edgar Davids as well because of his that dynamic nature of his of his game. And looking a little bit further back, I actually put Brian Robson on my consideration list as well because I think in terms of old, what you might think of as old-fashioned British box-to-box, hard-working kind of dogged but skilled, incredibly skilled player, um, I think he, he was eminently watchable. But in the end, and in, in some respects, it's a little bit of a cop-out, but I went for Lota Mateus because I just don't think you can have the sort of, longevity of career he did and the capacity to sort of reinvent his play and reinvent reinvent German football as well I think he was very responsible for taking Germany from quite well it was West Germany at the time quite a dour kind of defensive team to in relative terms quite attacking in Italian 90 and I think he was instrumental in that Um, but the reason he made my list is primarily the longevity and his adaptability. And, you know, you, you don't play in five World Cups and get 150 caps for West Germany slash Germany without, without having an yeah, engine without that, can, that can keep it. you going. Yeah. Um, and I think his intelligence plays into this as well
0: no he he was someone I thought about but I didn't see much of him play so I didn't I didn't Mm -hmm. want to include him um I too thought of Davids I also thought of Seedorf who was Mm -hmm. just a man mountain and again it was just such a a great energetic physical um presence um this was somewhere where Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira again I, I did think about them but I don't think they quite had what this person has and i think if you're the the footballer that has a role named after you then i think you've got to be you've got to be on any list that anyone talks about to do with any midfield um and that is claude macalelie to have the macalelie role be a thing in football parlance i think says it's says it says all you need it to and i think he's someone as well who I think maybe I put in the in the in the engine room. I, I guess is the is the tedious link I've gone for here. But his ability to snuff out danger, be there before it happened, recognizing what was going on around him, his fitness levels and his his ability to constantly be in the right place at the right time, never really be out of position. I, I, I really think was unparalleled. And you think he, you know, talk about longevity. He came to Chelsea at the end of his career and may not have been as effective as he was in Madrid, but he was still very, very effective for them. Um, His ability to sort of, and I I mean this in the loosest possible sense, just a relative (laughs) comparison, to to be like a Joe Allen type player (laughs) in that he always gave the ball to the right person at the right time. He didn't try and take anyone on. He didn't try and do anything clever. He would pick a pass he would get rid of the ball and he knew what he was worth and he was knew what he was good at and he made sure everyone else around him did what they were good at. And I think that takes a truly special kind of player to be able to do that. And um, maybe, as I say, putting him in the, in the engine department is maybe a bit harsh on him. But I, I think that kind of parallel is what drew me to him and that he was the engine of a team and he was that sort of player. And I just... Admire the way he played football, and he again was just a pleasure to watch. And I can't imagine how hard it would have been to play a football match against him. I think that is the other thing that when I was going through this, it must have been tough to play against Zidane or or Guti and like. But I think if you're an attacking player, you would just get to a point where you're just like, how do you keep doing this? Like, why are you still here? Like, I'm I'm sure I ran away from you a minute ago. Are there five of you on the pitch? Like, leave me alone. He must be that kind of player, and I can imagine that frustrating people. and him having an impact in more than just his kind of physical and footballing capabilities as well he was just a magnificent player and i again i think if you're going to have a role named after you 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 must be doing something right
1: i think you're you're right in that it's the it's the strange simplicity of his game that is actually so complex in, in excuse the oxymoron no, I know but what you mean. but that ability to as you say, just do the right thing, whether it's offensively or defensively, and just keep a team ticking over. I mean, that's 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 an understatement, but just keep a team ticking over. Yeah. It's an incredible strength that he had, isn't it?
0: No, I agree. He was... Um something else in that in that regard <laughs> and and again I, I just you know you've got you you've got a, a role named after you i, I don't think uh, the conversation needs to go much further than that. <laughs> um well there you are that is our complete list of central midfielders so not that complete after all um <laughs> and uh, our next podcast uh, will be on wingers or wide players i think we'll go for um Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Thank you for sticking with our favourite football things podcast. And uh, we will be in touch soon, no doubt. Thank you and goodbye.
1: Bye-bye.